Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Lisa Belanger about leadership skills needed for the future of work. Dr. Lisa Belanger, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation today. We're, we both are podcasters and we both do a lot of work in the practitioner space around leadership and work and the future of work. And today we're going to be focusing on skills for the future of work, specifically zooming in on leadership skills. What can and should leaders be investing in today to develop themselves for the future of work? And even how has uh, how have developments like the COVID pandemic and other disruptive um, events uh, shaped the way work is, is going and how we need to prepare for that future? So that's going to be our topic for today. As we get started, I did want to just share Lisa's bio with everybody. Dr. Lisa Belanger is CEO of Conscious Works, a consulting firm, an education platform that shows how insights from behavioral science can strategically improve habits for performance and proactive mental health. In short, how science can help you get the most out of your day. Lisa has a PhD in behavioral medicine, is a certified exercise physiologist, and has successfully taught hundreds of leaders, entrepreneurs, and athletes how to change their key habits with science-based approaches to achieving their definition of success. She is founder of a national charity, Knight's Cabin, which offers wellness programming to cancer survivors, and the author of Inspire Me Well, Finding Motivation to Take Control of Your Health and cup of mindfulness for the busy and restless. Her mission is to show individuals, corporate groups, and other audiences how seemingly small habit changes can have a profound impact on one's well-being, productivity, and happiness. And I should add, you started a new podcast just in January that is going very, very well. Uh, and I uh, want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about that and just your background in general. What uh, what else can you tell us about your background and providing a little bit of personal context to this conversation today. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely came from a unique background to be talking about this. Um, I did my PhD in behavioral medicine, so the study of behavior change, and I worked primarily with cancer survivors, and the behavior in which I addressed was physical activity. But the theories of behavior change are relevant to any behavior. And as I went through my career, started to get into the work world and the charity world, um, so much of our life is spent at work. So when we think about health behaviors as an example, they're, they were often sold as you know something that could prevent heart disease. But I've never once gone for a run being like, I'm preventing heart disease. So I thought that the, when we think of behavior change, knowing that the reward system needs to be very immediate after the behavior, how could we look at this differently? And it certainly became the work context. 
how do these behaviors impact work? Uh, how do work impact these behaviors? And then I just became so interested in how work impacts life and vice versa. And so looking at that integration, looking at what we can do to work at our best, but also to live our best um, based on the research that we have out there, there's such a discrepancy between how we work our best and the science there to how we actually work and work is set up for us. So trying to figure out how to close that gap and create small changes, uh, and then certainly with the pandemic, rapid changes on how we work and how we can um, get the most out of work and life. So that's certainly how I got into this. And then I started, um, I did a postdoc in the uh, business faculty. And as of last Wednesday, graduated my EMBA. So really getting that business context and um, understanding what and how this can be integrated. Uh, and then certainly the leadership influence over others. Uh, I then did the started the Science of Work podcast, which is giving leaders the science they need to make informed decisions. Um, because you know, there's so many questions arising: Should we do the four-day work week? Should we take breaks? How should we take breaks? Um, you know, does diversity and inclusion affect the bottom line? If yes, how do we do that? And how do we do it in a group or a small company? or large company. So uh, exploring some of these topics on the podcast and interviewing experts from all over the world and leading to conversations like this. So um, it's been an incredible experience thus far. Wonderful. And congratulations on the recent graduation. Um, you just have degrees for days. So you're- <laughs> That's the last one. I have been threatened by every member of my family that that is the last <laughs> one. It stops here um, and fair enough. Yeah, well, that's that's great, and I love I love your background. I love the com the combination of your various areas of focus and where that's landed you. And like you said, with behavioral change, whether you're talking from a, a athletic medical standpoint or you're you're talking about leadership in in an organization and how to lead change, it's it's the same principles. Um, just applied in a different context. Uh, so I think that's wonderful. And you referred to the big disruption of COVID. And of course, that's one example. And that was a major disruption. Uh, and it's required people to shift and, and pivot on a dime. But there are other disruptions. And we've been experiencing disruptions for many years. Many of those are technologically driven disruptions. Mm -hmm. But there's also geopolitical and socioeconomic disruptions that have been happening around the world. All of this has been propelling us towards this new future um, and, and what we're focusing on today, not just any future, but the future of work, that, that, that component of our everyday life that, so, that we spend so much of our time in, the workplace. And what is it going to look like to be an employee in a profession, in an organization, in, a, in an uncertain future that's increasingly complex and messy? And how do you lead in that kind of a context? Uh, what are your initial thoughts in terms of the skill set that's necessary for leaders to be effective in the future organization, the future workplace? Well, I think one thing that's become unbelievably clear is that there is like digital disruption is here to stay constantly and arguably if history is any indication at a more rapid pace uh, going forward. So what does that, where does that leave humans? And, and really it's about our creativity or innovation or productivity, how our brains function. And then if we think we're, you know, isolated for most of us uh, in knowledge work and, and um, when we think of what our brain needs to function at its best, we need to be able to lead that. We need to be able to understand our impact on it. 
um, and certainly what we can do going forward and how, how do we bring humanity to work? Um, because that is what differentiates us from machine and that's what's going to keep us employed uh, is being able to use um, our greatest asset, which is essentially our brain. Um, and so to me, leadership has evolved to be, you know, for yourself, how do you do that? And then certainly how do you leverage that from your team? So if we think of, you know, work from home, one of the biggest things leaders are talking about is, you know, productivity has gone down, or I don't know if people are doing things and not knowing when people check in and check out. That is the reality of going forward. We know employees are interested in flexible work. That was pronounced before COVID and certainly it's going to be the going forward. So how do you trust? How do you reward? How do you uh, lead? How do you influence if that is the case? And for a lot of leaders, they grew up in a different culture. They, they grew up, they learned how to lead or they their leaders, um, you know, rewarded long work hours because it was a lazy way to say you're a good worker, therefore you should be promoted. And we don't often, most companies, most leaders don't have success indicators and clearly define roles and clearly define what a success is in that role um, to be able to you know, manage in this new world. Um, and so it's been particularly interesting to, to break down how humans interact with technology and then how what do they need to do that? And how do we lead through that? Uh, and then the other thing that's so incredibly pronounced, every conversation I'm having with uh, large corporations doing research on this is two things coming forward. Uh, or I should say three things, empathy uh, from leadership, arguably from everybody, but certainly from leadership, a, a fundamental need to do something about the well-being of their, um, of their teams and then inclusive leadership. So these seem to be, you know, what's being discussed over and over and over again, but it's not the future of work, it's right now. <laughs> so I think that these are things that we need to address right now, but certainly will carry forward. So when we think of traditional leadership training programs, MBAs, um, you know, there's very rarely a class on empathy or, or, you know, inclusive leadership. And these are taught skills, they're learned skills. Um, so there's things that we need to be adapting to I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. 
No. Absolutely. I mean, there's so you you just um rattle off a whole bunch that we could spend <laughs> hours dissecting. Um, and I, I just want to, to reiterate what you said. I mean, it, everything you said, I completely agree with. I think those are the the human, the humanness, the human skills that we bring to the table aren't that aren't replicated by AI and machine learning and other forms of automation. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but I would love for the tedious tasks that I currently do to be taken away. I would love for a machine to be able to do that for me. Um, for example, I'm a university professor. The, the least interesting part of my job is grading assignments. I would love for there to be AI that can help provide meaningful feedback to students to help them improve where I don't have to spend hours grading assignments. That would be amazing for me. And then free up my time to focus on mentoring and coaching students, career development, um, curating their their information and the knowledge that they um, they need to be successful and facilitating their learning. That's what I love doing as a professor. And that's what I want to focus my time on. And uh, certain disruptive technologies will uh, give me a chance to focus more on that. So will it displace some of what I've done in the past? Yes. Will, will disruptive technologies displace some types of jobs, some types of work or aspects of people's work? Absolutely. But it's going to open up so many more opportunities for us to do uh, really innovative, creative things. And if we can, we can lean into that change that way and, and frame it that way in our minds, both as leaders and as line workers in organizations, then I think we're going to be best prepared to, to leverage this change and, and to have the best possible outcome that we could hope for. That's not to say that it will be easy. Change is always difficult and it's always a challenge, um, but it, it's those human pieces, those the human element that is not replicable through robotics and machine learning and, and AI. And I think to your point about empathy and inclusion and belonging uh, and some of the other soft skills, we talk about collaborative, uh, collaborative learning and, and innovation. Those are things that humans bring to the table and we need to figure out how to leverage it better, particularly in a interconnected global world uh, with uh, technologies that connect us and allow for for collaboration and innovation. And one thing you said that's always been my pet peeve, even for the last 20 years, when I was much younger starting out my career, uh, this idea of putting in FaceTime at work, and that's the measure of your success. Like how many hours do I put in? Do I show up first? Do I leave last? And for so many in previous generations, that was the hallmark of whether or not someone was a good worker, a hard worker, and they had a, a strong work ethic. And at the time, I just thought that was so dumb. And that's not how people perform at peak levels anyways, um, just putting in long hours. And if you want people to perform at their their highest potential, then you'd have to be able to provide some flexibility. And just counting their hours when they're sitting their butt in their seat is one of the dumbest ways to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we do see that shifting, but uh, but it's a learning curve for leaders who don't know any other way to your point. Yeah, and it, it's uh, it's interesting. We've talked about this quite a bit on my team, which we study this, um, but like, how do you know you have a successful day at work? And if you don't know, and your leader doesn't know, what's your measuring stick, right? And, and how do you then progress or move forward or develop? And um, certainly you're trying to give autonomy to people. We know they perform at their best with a level of autonomy. 
But in order to give that autonomy, there needs to be this trust and there needs to also be a, you know, an agreement on what success is. And I know the way I quote unquote grew up was academia. And I just recently made the realization that actually you can have a really good day at work without suffering, without like, you know, having bleeding knuckles at the end of it. There's a way to work smarter and more strategic um, when you know what those measuring posts are. And so I think that we've rewarded being available in long hours for way too long that we know it doesn't work. We are very aware it doesn't work. So can we teach the next steps to that? And I was in um, Europe right before COVID researching how people de-stress and take time off from work. And one of the very senior people at a predominant company said, I work really hard from eight to 430 or whatever their hours were. And then they go home and they said, nobody pays me to worry. And that should be an obvious statement. But for me, I was like, oh, you're right. There is no pay to think about your job well beyond the hours you're even working. And most of us do that. And most of us are distressed from our job comes from that, not the job itself. Right? So if we're able to communicate this to the people we're leading, could we trust the science? Could we trust people and create a really effective work space, a more effective workspace? Yeah. And that word trust, that's the key, right? So the wringing of hands around now we have a virtual work from home kind of a, a, a workplace uh, and a team that's all remote and and we're trying to connect uh, with each other and, and leaders not knowing how to function in that space. Part of it's just trust because um, their, their style, they're used to just, you know, walking around the office and seeing who's there and maybe popping their head in and checking on them and seeing how they're doing. And now they can't do that. They have to like call them up or, you know, do a Teams meeting or a Zoom call uh, or, or whatever. And there are pretty simple mechanisms that you can put in place to make sure that people are having effective, productive days uh, without micromanaging them. Um, just a simple check-in at the beginning of the day. What do you plan on working on? And then a, a report back at the end of the day, this is what I did. Uh, having regular cadence calls with your team. There, and, you know, these are fairly basic, straightforward things uh, that can be implemented and have immediate uh, benefit in a virtual workplace. And, and yet it, it goes against the style and the, the kind of the habits of traditional leaders in a physical workspace. And so that's something that we really have to work on uh, developing. Um, and that gets me to my next question. If, if leaders, you know, if they're thinking trust is important, they're thinking about uh, all these other aspects that you've been mentioning, and now they're thinking, okay, but how do I do it? How do I uh, yeah. develop these skills so that I'm prepared, not just to be better now, but also for this continued disruption as we move into the next five, 10 years and find ourselves, you know, what I think will be a, a fundamentally different kind of a workplace environment in 10 years from now. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's such inter so interesting about that question is traditional leadership programming, traditional, like any kind of education system do not often touch all these and you call them soft skills and I'll challenge to essential skills. If we know it is something that is crossing all different disciplines and, and roles uh, are these key um, components. Why aren't we teaching 
these essential skills. And it's because there's such a rapid change um, to what, what's been developed. And of course, if you think of something like the traditional university system, that is not built to rapidly pivot. Um, I mean, it's certainly done a great job, but it's uh, it's really interesting. But they're, they're teachable, all of these are teachable skills. Um, trust is something, uh, you know, well, something I talk about often is resilience. We have a lot of resilience programming and obviously um, that is really predominant right now. The best way to become resilient, there's a lot of different ways. There's a lot of things and habits you can develop and you do things on your good days for your bad days. But the best way is to practice being resilient is small bouts of resilience, putting yourself in slightly uncomfortable or unknown with um, you know failing or succeeding, but noting how you do that and being able to work through it. It's the same thing for trust. It's, you know, it's something that, yes, there's ways to teach, but also having to practice and practice in ways that you can slightly build up from. You don't have to fully say, okay, team, go ahead, do your thing. But can yeah, you- small wins, right? Yeah. Fo focus on developing trust over time. It's not like you don't need to flip a switch and, <laughs> uh, you know, you can you can build that, that in a relational um, trust and organizational trust with your team uh, over time, and they'll appreciate it. What? Oh, yes, of course. And we, again, we know this from the literature that if people feel, you know, trusted, appreciated, confident to do their work, they're better at their work. So can you set up systems that allow that to happen? And the most important question to me for leaders to be asking right now is what do you need to do to work at your best? and seeing if that can be accommodated. So if they're like, I work best at midnight, maybe not all their work can be done at midnight. Clients are not gonna to respond to that time shift, but is there a way that you can accommodate within your team? Or is it simply for me, no meetings at least one day a week so we can actually get work done. Um, that can be accomplished. Like So actually opening that conversation with your team and seeing how you can accommodate. And if you both have an understanding of it, then there should be, start to be anyway, that trust developed. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, it has been a real pleasure chatting with you. Uh, the time has flown by. Um, I do want to respect your time and I know you, you have a busy day. Um, I hope that we can continue this conversation again and I would love to have you back on the podcast. Uh, or I could be, you know, uh, yeah, come on your you podcast. Come on. <laughs> uh, this has been a fabulous conversation. And we've only just scratched the surface because there's really so much more depth to all of this. And as we think about leadership for the future, uh, th yes, there are traditional skills that, that uh, need to continue, but these essential human skills that you mentioned that absolutely have to play a huge role um, going forward. I hope that organizations can focus on them. I hope that everyone listening can take a step back, do a little bit of self-reflection and consider what are one or two things that you can do today to start to develop trust, to, to develop greater levels of empathy uh, and, and to just really be supportive of your people because those are those human elements that aren't uh, easily replicable um, through different uh, types of disruptive technologies. Uh, thank you again, Lisa. Uh, before we close, I do wanna give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, check out your podcast, uh, find anything else about your, your organization and how you might be able to help them. 
Oh, thank you. Um, so at ConsciousWorks or ConsciousWorks.com is where you can find us. Um, we're really working towards creating proactive mental health and strong agile minds at work. So a lot of what we're talking about. And then uh, for the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, The Science of Work. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks to listeners for tuning in. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can stay, you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.